Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. You know that uh, on the first Sunday of the month, us elders will be speaking. And we are working our way through 1 Timothy. And so this is the first Sunday of the month, and it's my turn. And so um, I'm going to share, and, and it's to me, I'm hoping I can follow along kind of the theme of the worship we had and, and stuff where it, it will fit in. I, I think maybe I'll do a couple changes here, but anyway, um, today we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to cover verses uh, 12 to 20. And I also had a electronic glitch, um, and what I brought to put up there didn't quite come out the way I had planned. So we're going to make it work, though. Um, I see it back there. Oh, here we go. One of the things I had was going to have up on the screen is today in these uh, nine verses, the word faith shows up six times. And that's the theme I'm taking off. But the problem with our English language, in the Greek language, the word, the word pistos is faith, but it can be a verb and a noun. Our English word faith, I can't make into a verb. I can't have faith in you. I can have faith, it's, a, it's only a noun. So in our English Bibles, we have the word faith and the word believe. But in the background, they're often the same word. And so up here, as we read through this, I had highlighted the different words that are the same Greek word for faith, but come across differently in our English Bible. That's what I'm missing this morning. So I'll try to point them out as we read. So I'm just going to kind of read directly from here, and that'll help me with that. Um, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy. Put the word faith in there, faithful. He considered me faithful. And some of your versions may have the word faithful, but that word trustworthy is the same word as faith. Considered me faithful or trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. That word unbelief is faith, with an A in front of it in the Greek to make it unfaith. So it's unfaith, okay? Same word. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience and as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and have so, so, and 
so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hermeneus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Now, as we look back through here, um, we're going to look at some components of faith today. And uh, so to help you remember, I think they're on the back of your bulletin, we're going to be looking at service, salvation, and shipwreck. Service, salvation, and shipwreck. Um, we're still in this opening chapter. Am I okay? It sounds loud to me. Am I okay out there to you guys? Okay. Um, we're still in the opening chapter of Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul had left Timothy at Ephesus to correct some problems in the church and is writing this letter specifically to address some issues and give Timothy guidance. Uh, Timothy is going to face some tough challenges, and Paul is offering him some advice. Let me ask you, what challenge have you faced recently in your life? What challenge have you faced recently in your life? And maybe some of the things we talk about today uh, can help with that. Um, like I said, the Greek word for faith is used here six times, and in different... Uh, different meanings. I think I even missed the one where, uh, as an example, for those who would believe, again, is that word faith. So today we're going to look at three components of faith. Service, salvation, and I'm calling the last one to try to make it work, shipwreck avoidance. Shipwreck avoidance. You know, you have an avoidance system in your new cars now, so you don't hit somebody or get in trouble. This is shipwreck avoidance. Um, and this passage was given to Paul to, or to Timothy to help him with that. So take that away with you today. Faith, serving, saving, and shipwreck avoiding. If you can remember those three key words and then put it together with the other things from this scripture. So the first component of faith we see in, in verse 12 is service. Um, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Now this is Paul talking. Talk about a guy with service, a guy that did a lot for the Lord. He's saying, I thank God that he has appointed me to his service. Um, service is seen as a ministry to God and to other people. Christians should serve by meeting the needs with love and humility on Christ's behalf, whether the people are believers or unbelievers, ministry to others should be impartial, unconditional, and always seeking to help others as Jesus would. We as Christians, along with Paul, have a call in our lives to serve somebody, somewhere, somehow, in some place. And those can be defined as, oh, here's a position in the church, and I'm going to be that person, and that's my ministry or my service. Great. But you could be this person over here that, I got a neighbor that can't quite do everything around their house like they used to, so I'm just going to make sure I go over there once a month and knock on the door and say, hey, you got anything that you haven't been able to do or I could help you with? That's just as much of a service as the person who is an elder, on the finance committee. Now that's service too. We need those people. But I'm saying that over here, there are lots of service 
ministries that you ought to have and you do have that aren't official. But you ought to have. So if you think of your Christian life and you think, what, what do I do to help somebody in Christ's name to meet their spiritual needs, emotional needs, or physical, tangible needs, finance, what do I do? And you have a little bit of a hard time coming up with something? I would encourage you at that point, ask God about it. God appointed Paul. So it's not like we have a menu and we pick and choose. Think and pray and ask God, what can I do? You've given me talents. You've given me abilities. You've given me spiritual gifts. You've given me time and, and financial resources. Uh, all these things that are you, God has put in your life, and you have, he has appointed, he has a place for you out there to be ministering. And uh, it's easy in some Christian circles to come to church and be here and say, okay, Mike, he's the minister, and so he does the ministry, and I can just go home after church on Sunday. And I'm saying that's not true. We have all have an act of service in our Christian life, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, here at the church, in our families, that we do for Christ, for the spiritual and tangible benefit of other people. Um, and as you do this service, remember, as Paul says here, one, he's thankful for this service. I thank Christ. Now, Sometimes when you've committed to doing something as a service or as a ministry, it can get kind of hard sometimes. But we still ought to be thankful that we have the ability to serve in that way. And then God gives us the strength. It says here that, who gave me strength that he considered me trustworthy. If you're feeling drug out, dragged out, your emotions are down, depressed because you're doing this thing and it's getting kind of wearisome, tiresome. Look to the Lord for his strength, not our strength. Look to the Lord for his strength. And then that the Lord considered him trustworthy. That again is the word faith. Um, we need to serve in faithfulness and Christ will appoint or has appointed you to do it. So when you think of Paul here, he says, I've been appointed to God's service. Remember, we have that same appointment to some service, some ministry, somewhere. And he'll give us the strength. We are to perform it faithfully. And he will appoint us. He will give us that, that service. You think of the story of the talents. Ten talents, five talents, one talent. One of the points of that story is God is not fair. He didn't give all of us ten talents. He gave some ten, some five, some one. But that's, that, God is not fair, but the point of the story is, whatever you have, be using it. You may be a one-talent person, and that's fine. That's where God's put you. Use that. You might be a five-talent, you might be a ten-talent. So there is no excuse of, I'm not smart enough, good enough, strong enough, uh, I don't have any skill. There's, there's not an excuse to at least be doing some sort of servants for the Lord and do it in his strength, be faithful about it, and find what he has appointed to you to do. Um, so that's verse 1. Um, 
Let's go on to the next verses. The second component of faith, first component of faith is service. Second component of faith is salvation. Now here's a question. Who's writing 1 Timothy? Paul. Who's receiving this letter? 1 Timothy. Why does Timothy need to know salvation? He's a church leader. He knows all the doctrine. He knows he's witnessing to others to bring them to salvation. And Paul has been saved a long time. Why is this in here? Well, notice the emphasis in these verses on Paul's personal experience in salvation. Um, This is a very odd place to put us, but Paul talks about him being a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. You know what I thought of with the violent man illustration? Vladimir Putin. Paul was probably even worse than him. That's how much of a low-down, rotten, good-for-nothing man Paul was before he became saved. But he was saved. And I think Paul puts this in here because he needs to remind himself. Now, if you were serving the Lord and doing as much as Paul was doing, could it be possible to start feeling a little proud? Uh, Look what I've done. Look where I've gone. God saved me from the shipwreck. He saved me from, you know, famine and, and the snake bit me and... I've done pretty well. But he writes this to remind himself and Timothy, who is in church leadership, that, hey, at one time, I was worse than Vladimir Putin. I was awful. I beat Christians, threw them in jail, and persecuted them. That is a little bit of a humbling thought for Paul. And I think that's why he puts it in there. He says, Timothy... I'm a missionary, I've done all these things, you're going to be a church leader, remember where we came from though. Remember where we came from. And all of us then have that in our life. Whatever we do in our service, our faithful service, is based on God's salvation. So don't put much stock in you and your ability and your wonderfulness and how great you are and how talented you are when you think, I was a sinner separated from God, so far away from Him, and yet He came and saved me. I see that a lot in the book we've been reading. It's, uh, it's been a thoughtful to me to think about confession and our lives and how God loves us, He protects us, He's with us, but yet we are so much of sinners and He is so perfect. Um, so I think this, that is why he has put this section in here about salvation. A few weeks ago, Mike went through Colossians, I don't remember the verses, uh, 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 on salvation. And for those that are not saved, that was a great sermon on why we need to be saved, what's, what salvation means to the unsaved. But to us that are saved, it's also good to look back on our own salvation experience and where God touched us with his grace and mercy like Paul mentions here and uh, the memory of Paul's salvation would be the surest way to keep him from pride the memory of his sin would be the surest way to keep his gratitude for the Lord alive 
and the memory of his sin was a constant urge to greater effort, and that memory also would be an encouragement to others. I don't know if anybody in this room in your life would have been worse than Paul as far as actually beating people. He stood there when Stephen was stoned and said, Yahoo, go, throw them stones, get him. What a terrible guy. And yet he was saved. And that's a, that's a comfort to us that no matter what we've done, where we've been in our lives, we can be saved. Um, so that salvation includes mercy, and it includes grace, and when we become saved, um, we put on the Christian virtues of faith and love in our lives, and apart from the operation of divine grace and mercy, love and faith would be impossible, yet without the latter, there would be no evidence of the former. So why does Paul put this about salvation in here? It's for us Christians primarily, I think, in this time, although salvation is needed by all the unsaved, but for us Christians, we need to look at our lives and say, that is what God saved me from, and have gratitude and humility in our lives as we serve Him and serve others and as we grow in our relationship with Him. So, uh, Paul was one of the... was just not, I mean, he's a nasty man before he got saved, and yet God saved him. Um, Verse 17, then, is Paul, as he thinks about his salvation, he comes to this conclusion, this praise. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hopefully when you look back on your salvation experience and what God did for you with his saving grace and his mercy, you can come to this statement personally and say, now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He saved us. He has saved us. Um, No matter how long we've been a Christian or how much we've matured, we still need to recall the salvation that we have received. That's a good thought process from time to time to go back and recall the salvation that you have received. And then finally, the last part of these verses, uh, starting in chapter 18, That's the part I entitled Shipwrecked Avoidance. One, I needed an S to keep up with the other two, so I came up with Shipwreck Avoidance. Uh, Not very spiritual, but shipwreck is used, so we can get away with it. Um, In verses 18 to 20, Paul is now giving Timothy some advice that will guide him through his Christian life. Timothy is to follow these words of Paul, and he will avoid suffering shipwreck. There's actually two word pictures given here. Um, In verse 18, he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So someplace in church leadership, some men, somebody, Paul himself had said, hey, Timothy, this is what God's calling you to do, to plant churches, go with Paul, and to be a church leader, church elder. That was what had been said about him, and Paul's saying... um, 
so, re, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Fight the battle well. When we think of wars and what's going on in Ukraine, um, there's lots of battles going on every day. Think of this battle as an entire campaign of your lifetime. You have a lifetime of a battle, and you have fights in that lifetime. And he's saying that you may fight those battles well. Uh, this is a picture again of over our lifetime. And in a battle or a war, even the victorious army has wounds and injuries. Even the victorious army has wounds and injuries. So we're in this battle and it's not going to be injury free, wound free, but that's life. We are in this life, and we are in this battle. Um, and he's telling Timothy to follow these commands. I'm giving you this command, which is, I'm giving you this book here, Timothy. I'm writing you this letter. And for us today, we have Scripture. We've been written these letters, these commands, in keeping with them that will help us fight the battle. Um, to fight the battle well. We're all fighting the battle. I think that's going to happen. But are you going to fight the battle well? And if we follow the commands of Scripture, have the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, seek God's strength and help, we will be fighting the battle well. Holding on to the faith and a good conscience. So, in the life of a believer, we will fight the battle against the enemy, but we have faith we can hold on to, even in the worst of times. The second word picture Paul uses here is the shipwreck. Um, Christians need to hold on to faith, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and have so suffered shipwreck. We need to not do that and make sure that we, we hold on to these. Um, hold on to the faith. This is our belief and confidence in God that He is in control and loves us more than we can love ourselves. Um, Jesse and I were talking before the service. What's that line? I believe. That song, I believe. Eh. What? I believe everything that you are. Okay? When he was saying that, I got thinking about what I said at the beginning, that if we had a language that mirrored the Greek language, they could say, I faith everything that you are. It's the same word in Greek, faith and believe. But when we see it in the song and say, I believe, we think a little different than faith, but it's really faith. I have faith in you, as these verses say, holding on to faith. I hold on to my belief in you, my faith in you, so that I will not be shipwrecked. Several times in the book we've been reading, Journey to the Cross, it was not so much about having answers to our problem, because sometimes there's no answers, but in the middle of suffering and problems to hold on to faith. We discussed that in Sunday school some this morning, that uh, we mentioned that Sometimes you're having an issue, you're having problems, you'd like to talk to somebody, but you, there's somebody that you don't talk to because you know they're going to give you all the answers. And right now, you don't want the answers. 
You want to just talk to somebody, sympathize with, with you. Um, so sometimes we don't have all the answers. God doesn't give us the answers. We don't know why and when and where and how and all the stuff that our minds would like to know in our hearts and our spirits, but we can still hold on to the faith and believe that we believe in God and all that He is and all that He says He is, even in the middle of difficult times. So Paul's telling Timothy here, hold on. Um, our Christian life will have storms, sometimes terrible storms, times when your ship is listing way over to its side and feels like it'll never right itself. That song, again, this just came to me this morning, that song starts off when, when the sea is calm, you know, I believe in you, and when the waves start to toss, I believe in you. They do toss, but we don't have to be shipwrecked. They do toss us, but hold on to your faith, hold on to your good conscience. Good conscience is your conduct, your morals, your choices, your behavior. Hold on to those. Have a good conscience before God and man. Hold on to your faith, even when the storm is throwing your ship back and forth. Hold on to that good conscience. Um, and that way we can avoid shipwreck and not be as these two here mentioned, Hermonius and Alexander, who were shipwrecked because they did not hold on to their faith and did not keep a clear conscience. I read a book about a World War II. I read quite a few World War II books. Um, I wish Don was here because he was in the Navy in World War II. Um, the Pacific Fleet was in December 1944 the, uh, there's different islands in the Pacific that the army was taking over and, and moving in on. Um, but at that time, there was a typhoon. Now, you've got to remember, this is World War II, so we don't have a phone we can take out and go to the typhoon app and see it happening. These guys didn't know. They're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They don't have any idea a typhoon is over there coming at them. The weather's kind of changing, but, you know, they don't know. But uh, the U.S. Army Air Force forecast center on the island of Saipan sent a reconnaissance flight and they got there and said, hey, this, this is a typhoon. Um, and it's headed toward the, uh, the fleet, the Pacific fleet, and with an estimated winds of 160 miles an hour. That's pretty heavy winds. Um, these Army weathermen got a hold of the Navy weathermen and said, you're headed for a typhoon. The Navy weathermen did not listen, like in verse 18, to the instructions, the commands. They said, no, you're crazy. It's a storm, but it's not bad. And so um, Admiral William Bull Hazley ignored the, the instructions, the warning that there's a typhoon, and he listened to the incorrect warning given to him by his Navy weathermen. On December 17th, Hazley mistakenly ordered the Third Fleet right into the center of the typhoon. After the storm was gone, 790 men were killed because of the weather, not because of enemy fighting. Or 790 men. Uh, three destroyers sunk. Um, a destroyer has about 300 people on it. On one of them, 13 people were saved. They said that these are steamships. They rolled up to 70 degrees several times. If you imagine 90, 45, 70 degrees, and slowly they'd write. And then they did it again. And finally, the three of these 
listed clear over so far, they never righted themselves. Water ran down the, the steam pipes and shut down their boilers, and the men tried to escape. Some were underneath or in the hold in the bottoms of the ship. They couldn't escape. Um, but a terrible shipwreck, uh, because he didn't hold on and didn't follow the instructions, and all these men lost their life. And I know I'm running out of time, but I, the last minute, decided to do this. Another shipwreck. Anybody read about the finding of the endurance in the last few months? Okay, I'm the only one that reads those kind of things. There was a guy in the early, I'm going to go this fast, guy in the early 1900s that decided he wanted to go to the South Pole, Antarctica, cross Antarctica onto the South Pole and to the other side. Nobody had ever done that. People had gone to the South Pole, but they'd never gone clear across the Antarctica. Sails a wooden sailing ship as close as he can, gets trapped in ice. And him and his men live on the ice and out of the ship for, I had, again, I hadn't planned on this, but it's months, a long time. And then in the spring, they're hoping the ice will open up and they can get their ship out. Well, the ice starts melting, but it starts moving and it crushes the ship. And the ship goes down. They do have some lifeboats. They move on to land. The captain and some of the people, some of the party, get in those lifeboats. They sail, I don't know, like a thousand miles and get on an island, but they're on the wrong side of the island. There's a mountain range they have to go over to get to the other side. But they make it. And the island comes back and saves those people. In that shipwreck, the endurance, everybody was saved. God can save us from disaster from shipwreck by holding on to his faith, holding on to our faith, and keeping a good conscience. So, when you think of what, Timothy, what Paul was writing to Timothy, just let me ask, how is your service? What are you doing? Stay at it. God will give you strength. Serve. Remember your salvation and stay humble, stay meek, that God is really everything in our lives. Remember your salvation. And in your life, don't shipwreck. Live by Scripture. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to a good conscience. So I don't know what you would say the state of your life is right now. Are you smooth sailing? Is it rainy? Is it a little choppy? Maybe even kind of stormy. Or maybe you're in the typhoon but hold on to your faith and a good conscience. God is there in the typhoons and can save us from being shipwrecked. Let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.